Welcome to the edge. Hey, Jay, it's March. Um, dang, the year's flying by. I, I feel like it might just be the first week of January. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. We've got RSA in about a month, uh, Aruba Atmosphere, uh, Black Hat follows after that. It's it's conference season's going to be kicking into high gear here. But I also know that uh, something you love is starting up, and that's Formula One. Yeah, so this weekend was first race of the season um, in Bahrain been a fan pretty much all of my life um the reasons behind that really are because when, when i was young my parents divorced i was eight years old um it was a passion of my dad's he loved motorsport and formula one was one of those parts of motorsport he loved it was something that we did we did every saturday we sat down and we watched kind of qualifying um and then on the sunday we would sit down and watch the race and it was something he really enjoyed which meant i really enjoyed it it enabled us to bond and it's really what ended up with why I ended up with a Lotus Elise, so you can see in this picture. Um, and that that made me and my dad bond even more. I mean, I bought it in my early 20s. It was a completely on a whim purchase. I mean, I went to buy a, a sensible kind of family car across the street. They refused to let me test drive it. I came out and in my annoyance, went across the street and drove the Lotus. Um, loved it so much, put a deposit on it and ended up with it completely impractical. It leaks. You can't see in the dark. I've had it 23 years now. And although my uh, father passed away nine years ago, it is now we built some incredible memories in it. I remember taking him away for his birthdays and for Father's Day. And we drove across the Alps. We drove through the Pyrenees. We drove through the Dolomites. I did a lot of track days in it. Um, so now I, I still sit down and, and watch the Formula One. I'm, a, I'm quite a big Mercedes fan, having worked there for a while for a period of time. Um, they're not doing particularly great. They didn't do particularly great the last couple of years. The car looks a bit of a dog this year as well. Um, but it was an exciting race yesterday, and I'm looking forward to to further races kind of this year. So I'm also a huge fan of the cycling, as are you. So I'm looking forward to the cycling kind of kicking off now. I think... Um, I think the Tour de France is going to be a really interesting one this year. I think the young guns are back out and going to go at it again. So have you been up to anything other than like fighting the snow in the ice? No, it's been the snowpocalypse here in, in Portland. Uh, we've gotten snow, threat of snow. Kids have been home. We uh, we had some good sledding times a, a week or so ago. But uh, yeah, the weather hasn't been uh, as cooperative and getting outside yeah, the best I can do is walk the dog right now. So <laughs> I'm I'm a bit uh, going stir crazy. If you uh, cabin fever is is uh, is big in my head right now, so uh, yeah. I'm ready to get out, ready for some you know some skies and getting out on the road and hitting the bike trails. Uh, that's where I'm at. But uh, talking about other races, um, the race for Sassy, uh, we've got Palo Alto Networks just had their earnings release uh, last week. And they um, they crushed it. I mean, uh, if you kind of think about it, um, revenues rose by 26% to $1.7 billion. Uh, the expectation for the share was to hit earnings of $0.78. Cents. They came in at $1.05. And um, yeah, they crushed their earnings. Uh, stock was up almost 12%. They also are starting to make that transition from uh, hardware-based to more of a software subscription-based. Uh, it was the first time they started reporting their SASE numbers. And um, the word is uh, they eclipsed a billion dollars. 
So um, that small little unit that started off as SD-WAN uh, as, as remote access is now clipping in at a billion dollars. And they also announced their first $40 million SASE deal. So hitting on all cylinders and with uh, some AI ops coming up to reduce uh, that KTLO load on the staff. So uh, simpler, lower cost consolidation. They crushed it. I mean, it, obviously the world's changed. I mean, we, we've seen this kind of move to cloud over the last couple of years. And, and I wasn't a massive fan of the cloud. I still don't particularly like the term, to, to be fair. But I mean, I don't like hybrid cloud and public cloud and private cloud and all of this stuff. It just makes the world of IT complicated. And I was a little bit kind of against the cloud when when it first came along because I, I, I was nervous of kind of taking all that stuff that we could put our arms around in our data centers and, and moving it somewhere else. I mean, IT folks love all those flashing lights. They love tinkering. They love the hardware. And, and it worried me about moving that risk, moving it outside of something that you had a bit more control over and moving it towards the cloud. And it, it, I didn't think it was going to take off. Um, and then it started kind of trickling in and you had really big companies kind of going with it. Um, but then obviously it started really before the pandemic, but for me, the pandemic kind of sped it up and it, and, and people really considered moving to the cloud. And I think what's happened, at least my opinion is people have moved stuff quite quickly. Innovation came along during the pandemic, massive innovation, great innovation. People move stuff to their users and their users are no longer in the offices. So they moved stuff out to the edge and then people are sitting down now and going, Ooh, how do we secure that now? We've now moved it. We've taken it from our nice cozy data centers where we could look after it. We pushed it to the edge. Great. It's near our users. It's really, really fast. How do we now make sure there's less risk, more security? And for me, SSE, SASE, and the concept of this zero trust that we talk about all the time, all of those are kind of combined and they all add up to this kind of let's secure all this stuff we've moved. So now not only do you have users outside your environment, applications are in the cloud, and they're not just kind of SaaS-based, their infrastructure as a service and all those other things have been moved. So I just see this as being the skyrocket now. Things are just going to take off. I mean, people are going to move more and more and more to these kind of tools that, that help them secure their environments. And as we've said many times, it's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. But I think people are beginning to realize that there are tools out there now that can help them with that security. And, and with things like ransomware and cyber attacks and everything on the rise, there's even more importance in that security kind of element. So I, I, I just see this is going further and further. I don't I, I think we're going to have these kind of updates every quarter and we're going to be talking about every quarter. The numbers got smashed. The numbers got smashed. And I'm. I just think this is going to go on for two, three, four years before everyone's kind of moved over, is my opinion. No, I think I think you know I think your your thought there on on how long it's going to take is going to be a little longer. I we're on the we've talked about this before on this podcast on other venues about how this is a ten year transition. You know, networking moves in ten year increments. Um, we're maybe in year one, if that, yeah. of SASE. And, uh, you know, the, some of the analysts in the market are saying, hey, 10% um, uh, market penetration, it's it's lower than that. Uh, they're probably right. It's likely in the single digits. Um, and the transition is not just like you can move your 
circuits you're in like sd WAN, it's just not possible to you know that that's not what it is it's it's sd WAN, it's remote access it's remaking everything that was on the edge and transitioning those hardware assets to software assets this is going to take time it's going to take planning um yeah we're we're at the cusp of this but it's interesting that you know paulo Alto is calling it out as their one of their segments that they're marking and and talking about in every one of their earnings releases um, one billion dollars is is a big metric. Yeah. Uh, Forty million dollar SASE deal. Uh, it's this this transition between physical assets to software assets and you know delivered as a service. Uh, it's going to take time, and um, man, the market is uh, is eating it up, especially with this headwinds that we're always talking about. Uh, this is another area where, vet, where companies are saying, "Hey, there's an opportunity to consolidate my portfolio of tools, uh, reduce my costs, uh, increase my my uh, protection against uh, cyber attacks, uh, you know, lowering my attack surface." There's just a lot of wins in this space, and um, man, it's exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because Zscaler announced their figures as well. Um, Unfortunately for them, their share price didn't spike. I mean, again, they, they crushed their numbers. They had another record quarter. Everything went up. Um, but they also mentioned the headwinds, and they also mentioned deals are going to take longer to close. Um, they mentioned that they were laying off um, some of their staff. It wasn't huge numbers. I think if I remember rightly, it was 3%, like less than 200 people. Um, but their, their shares went in reverse. They went the other direction. Um, and I always find this a bit quirky in, in the stock market. I mean, th those kind of announcements, you, you need to be honest. But when you look at the numbers for Zscaler, or at least when I look at the numbers, I'm like, they've absolutely crushed it. They've had a record quarter again. But instead of like Palo going up 10 or 12%, they went down 10%. It, it, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, the revenue jumped uh, 52% year over year to $387 million. So that was above the, the Wall Street expectation. Um, again, uh, a sales beat, 37% uh, or 37 cents per share, uh, beating the analyst estimates by 8%. But you know, to your point where they got the haircut was uh, their deals are slowing down. So as there's more scrutiny, as you know, the C level folks, the accounting team, the you know procurement team, so on yeah. and so forth, look at renewals, look at uh, new opportunities. Um, that uh, you know, from from inception to deal close, that time frame's taken a lot longer, and uh, I think that's where Wall Street was uh, being a little negative on them, as well. Uh, the the layoffs um, it was three percent. Uh, they're calling out it was about one hundred and seventy seven employees. Uh, to me, that's not really somewhere where I would um, grade a company. We're seeing that across the space. Uh, during COVID, there was a lot of government incentives to maintain staff. And what we're seeing now in tech and, and other industries is that companies are doing what they normally do. And they're looking at the workforce, those uh, players that aren't, uh, you know, either they're not in a revenue generating BU or that BU has struggled, or you know those people unfortunately just didn't perform. Um, they're just it, they're being laid off. We, we see that every year as companies kind of uh, reassess their, their their staffing and 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 look at you know bringing in some new talent or releasing some of the talent that isn't quite. And I hate to say this, working out. 
but uh, I, I think that's what's going on here. So I think, you know, Wall Street's been a little hard on Zscaler. Uh, they're still crushing it in terms of numbers. Uh, you know, the momentum is still there uh, as well as, you know, Zscaler is expanding their marketplace. They purchased Cantonic Security, which is software as a service, um, really starting to look at the cloud, Casby, bolstering their Casby portfolio, their uh, security uh, posture management portfolio. So, um Again, you know, they're doing well. Uh, Palo Alto is doing well. And uh, the marketplace uh, for SASE is still super hot. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think for Zscaler is obviously they've they've kind of owned the market for a long period of time. Um, the pandemic helped them um, in a, because obviously the ZTNA portion, I think that was a big driver for a lot of people moving. I think people moved quickly. I think decisions got made really quickly at board level. It's like we need to go and buy a product to enable our workforce to continue working. So when you said just before that there's more scrutiny, I think we've kind of gone back to the level of scrutiny that companies maybe went through before the pandemic. The pandemic meant that that scrutiny kind of went away. Um, but also Zscaler now have more competition. I mean, Paolo, clearly, like if, if their numbers are going up and up and up, there are deals that potentially would have gone to Zscaler historically. Um, and, and so people are now kind of looking at, uh, at the market. They're seeing other people coming up. They're seeing uh, kind of the rising stars, the startups. And and I think that's possibly taking some numbers away from Zscaler. I mean, to be honest, the ocean is huge. The numbers in the TAM are huge. Um so I don't think it will have a massive long-term effect. I think the market's big enough for there to be some really, really big fish playing in it. Um, but I, I definitely think that there's more competition now. And yeah, the competition uh, came out last week. On Thursday, HPE announced their results. They also uh, announced an intent to acquire SSE startup Access Security. Uh Terms of the deal, unknown at this time. Uh, it was reported in Israeli press as somewhere right around half a billion dollars, but we haven't seen a firm number on that. Um, it's kind of an interesting uh, play for HBE. They they purchased uh, their Aruba business unit, purchased Silver Peak several years back for just under a billion dollars, um, but they had a gap in their portfolio. They really didn't have that SSE play. So if you look at you know SASE as a whole, on one side, you have the delivery of networking services through SD-WAN, other mechanisms. And then on the security side, this uh, what's called SSE stack. Uh, that is where Aruba, HPE, uh, Silverpeak was missing on. Um, in one of the articles, they said they were on a four-year search for a, a company, a technology to fill in that space. And they settled on a, a startup out of Israel um, called Access Security. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting purchase, I think. Um there's a, there's a lot of companies out there are obviously wanting to get into the SASE market. Uh, as you said yourself, HP spent a long time looking for somebody that would fit. We've spent a lot of time on these podcasts talking about kind of that single vendor unicorn. This could potentially be it. Um, you're going to take a, a, an extremely good SSE platform and probably the market lead in SD-WAN. I mean, I think Silver Peak, in, when, it, when it's reviewed, is like at least in the top three, if not the top. Um, it'll be really interesting to see when they bolt those two together. If they can keep it as simple as they both are independently, it's going to change the world. Absolutely agree. Uh, the the corner, uh, the upper right corner of the Gartner MQ, I think it's being worked on. I don't know what the time frame is for it to be released, 
but given the news of last week, uh, definitely has changed. Uh, HPE, uh, Aruba definitely uh, made a huge change in, in where their position is. So uh, that'll be interesting to see when that one comes out and, and where it's at, and uh, as well as what does uh, HPE Aruba do with access security? How quickly do they integrate it? Uh, you know, when do their customers, you know, get that firewall as a service? Uh, ZTNA is another hot topic. So uh, this is a space to watch. And, and that's a company to, to, to watch over the next few months to see, you know, how that that acquisition uh, plays out. Yeah. So I think before we wrap, because I think we've talked enough about tech, we need to talk about food. Um, we have Pancake Day in the UK. So Shrove Tuesday, we make pancakes and we put kind of toppings on them. And I guess they're called crepes. I think they call them in France. Do you have such a thing? I think we've talked about it before and it's it's kind of coincides with New Orleans and they do something there and maybe that's where we get it from and I don't know the history. Um, but do you do anything kind of American style with Pancake Day? Is it a thing? Pancake Day, It's uh, that's news to me. I, I hadn't heard about it until my wife mentioned it. I think it was last night we were having a conversation. I know that my kids absolutely love pancakes. My my daughter every morning um, she's she's got to have the same breakfast. Uh, it is egg whites and these little silver dollar pancakes from Trader Joe's. That her her go to. So um, pancakes have always been big, but um, they're just the standard pancakes. So we're not talking crepes. We're not talking you know anything special to them. Uh, so this is news to me, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll partake this week of, uh, some pancakes and maybe make some from scratch. So we do things like we put lemon and sugar on them, or we put raisins in them or things like Nutella spread or chocolate. You do all kinds of things. So I, I will definitely, next time I see you, we'll, we'll do some pancakes. Very easy to make. Um, but as always great to talk to you. I mean, I think we're going to do one of these every quarter. Maybe we'll have to do more than that because things are moving so quickly in the industry. Um, but yeah, great. And hopefully anyone that's listening is going to be around at RSA or Atmosphere or Black Cat. Drop us a note. We'd love to see you face to face. We're thinking of doing some live events some live podcasts. Um, so feel free to reach out and talk to us. Yeah, and hit the uh, subscribe and uh, follow the edge on all your major platforms for, for podcasting, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and then also check out the YouTube channel as well. So there's some new great content there. Great interview with John Kindervog, Jim Rivas on Zero Trust, as well as Chase Cunningham. If you have the opportunity to listen to Chase, absolutely amazing. Just start writing down all the phrases that uh, drop out of his mouth. And then finally, uh, Paul Simmons, the amazing Paul Simmons, uh, was interviewed by The Edge as well. And that's out there. Uh, talks about how the the business uh, side of, of Zero Trust. So some good stuff out on the YouTube. Check out the channel. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, please give The Edge a like and a follow on your favorite podcast service. And also connect with the SSC Forum on LinkedIn. Get all the latest updates and news on the phenom known as the Security Service Edge.